This is the Five Point Play Podcast. Happy New Year, Duke families. This is the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans official podcast. That's an easier way for me to say it. It is. Uh, I like it, man. The new year. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome in. Um, it, we're starting off the new year in, in, in uh, interesting fashion. Great on the Duke basketball front because Duke is back to being number one in the country since we last um, recorded an episode. And I say recorded an episode because we actually did an episode last week and forgot to record it. So <laughs> uh, we're calling that the uh, the five point play uh, lost podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you ever and, find um, it out there, just <laughs> somebody else post it. You can find it. We do have a uh, a packed show. It's ACC time. I know we're all excited for the ACC schedule, and we'll mm-hmm. get into uh, an ACC preview. We'll get into. Uh, what we think Duke is going to do in the ACC. But let's start out with, uh, there was an interesting article uh, for our first pillar on the podcast. There was an interesting article that came out about a week ago uh, talking about the 27 reasons why the ACC is so good. Uh, obviously, there were a number of topics within that uh, surrounding uh, Duke. Hey, uh, you, you took a look at that article. You read it. Obviously, it was a hot topic on the boards for, for a couple of reasons. What did you take away from that article that maybe you didn't realize prior to seeing it? It was a pretty well written article. I think there were a lot of good facts all around, all over, all over the ACC. Things you just didn't realize about this conference, the teams um, that are in the conference. One, I'll, I'll go one, and I'll let you get another one in there. One thing I did not realize at all was um, that NC State is actually second behind Duke in terms of, of scoring margin with 23.9. I did not know that they were blowing teams out like that. Obviously their strength of schedule hasn't been amazing. They played some okay teams though. So it's like that they're, they're looking more and more legit every week. It seems uh, I'm, I'm really impressed with what uh, Kevin Keats has been doing with them and, and really just how, how far apart they've been putting themselves in, in games against other teams. And the other one was UVA with the slow of a pace as they have. And we know about their slow pace. We know about it just, you know, how, how inefficient their offense can be at times. I didn't know that they were, 22.1 above their opponents in, in general for UVA. That's for, for a normal team, 22.1 point differential versus UVA. That's like a 40 point difference, man, because of their pace and the way they play. You get bound, you get down behind on UVA and it's, it's very difficult to come back. So I think that speaks volumes in terms of their offense about really what DeAndre Hunter has brought back to this team after obviously we saw him go down at the end of the year last year and just hit the leaps and bounds. He's taken this team to on offense and again, just how Tony Bennett just consistently gets this team to just do what they do. So that that was my one of my biggest takeaways from that article is just the the number one point in that article, which was the the scoring leading uh, scoring leading margin leaders uh, in the country, pretty much top top five of them belong in the in the ACC. So that's pretty impressive. It it is. And speaking of impressive, uh, one of the I think the second point in the article was about Duke's uh, Fab Four freshmen and how they're combining for 65.8 points and 7.3 steals a mm-hmm. game, where Duke's opponents are averaging 63.8 and 6.6 steals a game. I mean, that's incredible that those freshmen who came in with the hype that they did and all the expectations that they did uh, are able to, so far through 12 games, have the number one team in the country and uh, be as productive as they are. And on that steals comment, there was another stat on there that in nine of the 12 games for Duke this year, they are they have double figures in both blocks and steals. 
Mm-hmm. I know that we touched about the blocks and the steals and Duke's defense a number of times on this podcast, but that has to be the most impressive thing about this current Duke team, which is unlike in years past, when you need a stop, this mm-hmm. team is going to get it. And yep. that is so refreshing. I know that, you know, Coach K uh, reluctantly last year had to go zone. Right. I know that, you know, his man-to-man is his philosophy, but this is even a little bit different because it's so much overplay. It's so yeah. much about trying to get out in transition. You made a comment about what Jay Williams was saying at halftime during the Texas Tech game about how he wishes that Duke wouldn't get out so far trying to overplay like they're trying to get out in transition without doing their job first. Talk a little bit about Jay Williams' comments and try to explain it to us common folk. I don't know. I I, I never know what to think about him. I I get what he's doing, and I get what he has to do, and I understand it. And you also have to play to what the fans want to hear, which is you, you can't talk about this team positively all of the time. I get it. But his team that won the national title thrived off of that. I don't know. I don't even understand where he's coming from with that because that's, that is what made him who he was in college. The transition points he got, the steals that he got, he was a team steals leader for two years in a row because of that very thing. So I don't know why he's sitting there saying, oh, they get out too much on it, especially when this team has shown consistently that they can protect the rim. Javin protects the rim well. Jack protects the rim well. Queese, when he's in the game, protects the rim well. Zion gets offside blocks like it's his job. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, like, in years past, the, the teams with Paulus out on the perimeter still overplayed the passing lanes. He was one of the leading scorers on the team in steals in 2006. And, but, and they had Sheldon Williams in the back to help kind of clean things up. When you don't have someone in the back, yeah, it doesn't work. Duke has four or five dudes in the back that can clean it up. So I don't get why it's an issue. It's, it's one of those things that it's so frustrating to hear because it's like, dude, this is what makes this team great. And yeah, they can't rely on turnovers all the time because you're going to play teams that aren't going to turn the ball over, UVA, for instance. But it, the, the more you can turn the ball over, the more possessions that is for you. And for a team like this that rebounds well, a team like this that defends the rim well, and then you couple that, you add on to that, you get steals like this. It's what are you going to do on defense? Yeah, they're going to hit some shots occasionally. Yeah, they're going to drive on you occasionally. But you're still going to stop the other team from doing what they do. Yeah, the, the, the defense has been spectacular. It's completely nitpicking, um, and I'm not really sure the, the point of it. Uh, you did yeah. mention Javin. I want to touch on him for just a second. Um, I had no idea about this before I read the article, and I know that it's been, uh, yeah. uh, it's been somehow uh, a hot topic on uh, <laughs> the, the Devil's Illustrated free message board. I, I, how? I have no idea. Uh, but the, the good news is that Javin has made 25 of 29 shots on the season that's pretty impressive right or am I incredible no that's 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 awesome and that's what that's what you want out of your your seventh score you you want like you don't you don't want your seventh the guy who's expected to be your seventh score which means here's what's going to happen he's going to get a pass off of somebody's dump down because they've driven to the lane and, and attracted three or four defenders he's going to get a rebound and put back he may get a run out on a fast break occasionally and maybe once in a blue moon, he might get the ball thrown to him as if the play was drawn up for him. And if you're going to make 86% of those shots and you're the seventh scorer, thank God. Like, that's what people have been clamoring for from Duke for years about usage of bench and Cade trusting the bench. Well, you can't trust a bench if they can't score or you can't trust a bench if they can't rebound or play defense, right? So now 
Javin can be trusted on defense, and occasionally he can be trusted on offense if the ball finds his hand somewhere near the basket. That's what he does. He's not Alex shooting threes. He's not Cam shooting threes. He's not RJ driving. He's Javin rebound, clean, cleaning things up. Yeah, he's doing exactly what he's asked of him. He's exactly. not, you know, I, I almost thought to myself, well, you know, when he's on the floor, he's the fifth option. I, I don't even agree with that. It's like, mm-hmm. he's not, he's not an option. He's not an At option. All. He's he's literally just doing what is asked of him. His job is clean up the boards, play fantastic defense, get in out on the break uh, when, when you're on the floor. That's it. That's, mm-hmm. that's his job. He does it fantastically well. Uh, he has some things that he needs to improve on. I'm glad that he's in the starting lineup. Um, that that's going to lead us perfectly into our second pillar of the of the podcast, which is should Jack White be starting? And I know mm-hmm. that we have different opinions on this. I particularly do not think that he should be starting, and it has nothing to do with his play. <laughs> his play has been fantastic, uh, and that's kind of my whole point. Jack White influences the game for Duke more positively off the bench than any player that I can remember in the last five years. He has been absolutely fantastic. And why I would want to mess with that is beyond me. He already plays, you know, over 25 minutes a game. He is playing starters minutes. I think he's fifth uh, on the the team in in minutes per game. Uh, He's affecting the game by picking up the, the opposition's best player. He goes up and wants it. He demands it. He makes those energy defensive stops. He makes those energy rebounds. He's the, the guy that he, he's out there. He's yelling. He's talking. He's talking better than any other player on the court for Duke in the last two years. That includes the senior Grayson Allen. He, uh, he talks similar to the way that uh, Emil Jefferson talks on the defensive end. He's pointing things out. He's talking, saying, you need to be here. You need to be there. Um, I think he gives an immediate boost of energy and confidence to the team when he comes in the game and to the point where once the game is on the line, you know he's going to be in there. And and, and another another thing, I actually like when he and Cam are in there together. I wouldn't want to mess with that dynamic by pulling Cam from the starting lineup to put Jack White in because I think that that could potentially negatively impact Cam's mindset where in reality they actually play very well together while they're on the court. So I know that you think that the Jack White should be starting, but by all means tell me why I'm wrong. Well I think I think you just I think you just told me why you why you were wrong. I'm gonna go with Stephen A. Smith and say, My brother, I love you, but I thought you, you said you weren't gonna know do that what you were talking about. My God. I, have, I, I thought have you to, said you weren't gonna me. bring Stephen A on you this podcast. You forced me into it. You forced me <laughs> into right. it. It's like everything you just said. I don't know that I even have to say another word. Everything like what is what is the difference of him starting and not with with what he does on the court? The, I'll, I'll give you this one thing. I will give you this one thing. If the one the one key aspect that he offers coming off the bench is versatility in terms of if somebody gets in foul trouble, then he can sub in for him. But he could do that. He could just slide over to their position anyway. Like that. That's. That's not even a difficult thing. Somebody comes out, he just slides over to the three or to the four or to the five. I think I don't think you pull Cam from the starting lineup. I think you pull Javin from the starting lineup to okay, and put him on the okay. bench. So I guess we okay. I guess that that that's fair. So you're actually suggesting you keep Cam in the starting lineup. Oh yeah. You want to pull the Javin or or Quees, whoever they 
they decided to start. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like Jav, like look, like this game. Like Javin had a good game against Texas Tech. Jack came in in the first minute and a half because of foul trouble. Like, what's the difference of him starting the game and just coming in a minute and a half? Javin, God love him, he had a decent game. Like I said, and he's he's really turning a corner and showing some nice some nice things um, on on both sides of the ball a little bit. But he's not showing anything the caliber of what Jack White has been. Quise Bolden. He's he's the second leading shot blocker in the ACC in terms of total overall shot block shots blocked, but you can't put him in against a team that plays five out or plays or plays with primarily guards and a six eight center who can dribble and shoot the ball from the outside. So okay, but you're 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 more going to semantics though. You're 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 talking about matchups. So now are you talking that Jack White is just depending on the matchup of who we're playing? him, Javin, and Marquise. It'll be some sort of rotation. Uh, give, no. me the best, give me the best six man that we've had in the last five years and keep him where he is efficient. It, you know, it's, it's much like John Shire when he came off the bench, I want to say it was his uh, junior year. When, when, he, when he came off the bench for Duke, he didn't care if he started. He would do whatever was best for the team. They needed a scoring punch off the bench that year. They needed someone that was confident enough in in and secure enough in who they were as a basketball player to be able to do that. And that was John Shire. This is the same thing here for Jack White. There's no need to, to disrupt the flow of what the team is currently doing. That you know, it's both top ten offensively and defensively uh, in the country. Jack's still going to get his minutes. I don't see why adding a six-seven guy. Uh, another 6-7 guy into the lineup to start the game and put your two quote-unquote big guys that, uh, you know, they go with the wind in terms of who's who's hot and who's not. Uh, I, I To me, that that's a mistake. I don't know why you would mess with what, what, what is currently working for both individual perspectives and, and also for the team. I mean, he's he's our best defender. He's our best defender outside of Trey, and really outside of Cam. We got a lot of good defenders, man. He's we, he's we got a lot of good defenders. We got a he's, lot of good defenders, I, I, and I don't want one point three play one point three blocks a game. That's more than Javin, less than Quise, whatever. He can guard guys on the perimeter. He's shown that. The one person he had trouble with was Hachimura. Everybody's gonna have trouble with Rui Hachimura. Absolutely. He's he he hits the three, which is something that he he gives us everything that we need. Unless mentally he just it, it, apparently if the tip off scares him to death or something, no, no, that, and he's afraid not, of the tip off, then not, there's no reason that he needs to sit. What's the reason that he needs to sit if he does all the things that Duke needs? Bringing him off the bench, what does it do? He already he already averages thirty minutes a game. Yeah, exactly. So why does he have to start? Well, you just said it. what difference does it make if he starts or not? If he's still playing those minutes, because what, this team does not no, start. This game well. not, no, this team's mentality is what it is right now, which is play Javin or play Queez, let them match up. Jack's going to come in anyway, so he's going to give them that burst of energy off the bench when we need it. What happens, let me ask you a question, what happens if we start slow? I mean, we have, we, we've shown, especially in the last game, outside of a couple of those transition points, we've shown that we can start really slow. We did it against Hartford, we did it against Yale, we even did it against Princeton. Oh, we well, always we start slow. We, 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 yeah, but that's not good enough in the ACC. Right, which is why he's at a start. So, no, no. So who is – what, hap- no. what happens if Jack starts and we still start slow? Who are you going to bring in? Quiz? Are you going to bring in Javin to help uh, boost us 
offensively. I don't think we're no, gonna you're, you're gonna, no, you're gonna, no, you're going to say to Brandon Alex O'Connell. Then we get even smaller. <laughs> so that that doesn't work in the situation. This is don't. There's no there's no reason to mess with success right now. If it gets to the point where I like what Kay's doing in terms of play the matchup or play the hot hand with Javelin and the Queens. Let them. You said it on a podcast either last week or the week prior. They're ten fouls. So let them get their ten fouls. Let them be that you know aggressor. They all know that we we need, and let Jack be the closer. Jack is a perfect closer for this team when needed. And, and he's no, going to be a good no starter. No I'm telling you, he's going to be a good they're starter too. It's like so. Why, 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 why do we start why slow? Let's talk about why we start slow. We don't have anybody who can shoot the ball. All right, it has nothing to do with defense. It has nothing to do with getting the ball to the interior. It has everything to do with starting slow, not being able to shoot the ball, not being able to hit from the free throw line. All right, and what what does Jack do? He he does that for us. So that's a that's a floor spacer. That's an extra guy to get a pass to that can hit a shot. That's three more points that we don't n- normally get, especially from Quees and from Javin. So like they, they are non-existent on offense. Is, so we're playing four and five why, on why offense. Did, yeah, why why does Jack uh, when he does come off the bench? And you know, thank God Kay's not listening to you. When when Jack comes off the bench, why doesn't he come in for Javin or Quees when he comes in off the bench? No, he, he has been, but re- lately he hasn't been because of foul trouble on the perimeter. But in general, that's who he spells. He spells Javin. He spells Marquise. No, in general, he normally comes in for for Cam. That that if, if Cam if Cam's when he when Cam gets his third foul in the first four minutes, like we always talk <laughs> about. That's that like, of course, he's going to come in for Cam. Like he has, he has no choice. Like he has no choice. That's why he's been such a Swiss army knife because he has no choice. What the, the two things that kill this team early in games is the amount of foul trouble they get in. So then you lose Zion, you lose RJ or you lose Cam. One of the, one of the top three scores on your team, you lose one of one of those three. And then it takes you down on offense. Once again, from what we usually do is four and four against five on offense because Quees and Javin aren't giving you anything. So now you take Cam, RJ, or Zion out. Now we're we're three on five on offense, with with three possible scores on the team. But you bring Jack in, he he gets you those shots in the corner. He gets you those shots on the wing on the perimeter. He even does a little bit of dirty work on the offensive end down low. He doesn't have he a post ab- move yet, but he absolutely, he absolutely does, and he's going for spacer. You still to this point haven't told me why he should be removed from the current position that he's in for the betterment of the, of the team. This team is perfectly set up to have that rotating five guy to start the game and, and play it out. Then until we in run into then, and, until and, and, we run into a hot shooting team like UNC or UVA or, or FSU or one of those types of schools, we run into one of those teams and they jump out to a 12-0 lead and now we're playing from 12 back the rest of the game. We're minus 12 the rest of the game. Can we make it up? Sure. Because you know, this we, team we, has the horses to do got, it, but you don't want to have to do that. Nine, we got down 11 or so against Texas Tech, and we're able to make that back. Because uh, they can't score. Against, they can't, can't score. score. That, that, hey, they, but the ACC is full of teams that can score. Yes, our defense is fantastic, though. Part of that is Jack, for sure. He's, he's been excellent. A lot of that also is trades on the ball. Defense is a, a, a great collective group dynamic there that allows us to get stops when needed. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we're just arguing how this team is built and where they've gotten to this point. I think that we are two threes in two of the last three games, two threes going in early from just blowing all, all three teams out of the wor- water in the first five minutes. So this would be a, a new point. Unless your point is, oh, well, Jack would have made this. 
And he he would have. He probably would have, especially because they don't want it to give it to Cam right now because he can't shoot. I'm, but with with Cam aside, Zion's is not a good shooter. RJ is streaky. Trey's not a good shooter. You need another shooter. We we talked about it ad nauseum. And when K's rotation and big games goes down to six or seven guys, which it did. Why why would it? Why would Cam not start the game? I would Cam. Excuse me. Why would Jack not start the game? Why why uh, what? Why would that not happen? I I don't like the matchup uh, of starting him at the at the start of games uh, because you're not going to get any. How many teams aren't that? Are we going to play that are out there that are going five out? There just aren't enough. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with that right now. It, it, yeah. it, it, <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, we're going to get to the ACC preview. We, we, we're, right. already, we're already running long here. So we can argue this offline, which we will. But let's get into the ACC. This is a, uh, it's, it's probably the most challenging mm-hmm. ACC. Uh, your boys, the Virginia Tech Hokies, are. Uh, top 10, so I know you're pretty happy about that, as you said. Uh, but our, our schedule, our meaning the Duke Blue Devils, this is a Duke mm-hmm. Blue Devils podcast here. <laughs> um, our, our schedule, though, is insane. You know, we have all the top dogs on the road. Uh, and that's not even including who we thought would be a top dog in Syracuse. Uh, we got a lot of really, really tough road games. Give us a little ACC preview, and if you want to start with the, the Hokies, by all means. I'll uh, I will. I'll start. I will do that. Thank you. Thank you for that. For I, I will. And 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 doing so, I'll also remember that this is a Duke podcast. Don't 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 get it twisted. This is my first team, so I, I still have. Obviously, I, my my love for Duke is is unmatched, but I do, I do love Tech basketball. I got to play for their walk on feeder team, all some other things like that. It's just. It's it's interesting to watch the progression from this team because for a second it looked like it was gone when James Johnson was the coach, and and then they were able to they got a new AD they were able to bring Buzz in, and it's he's he's hit the ground running there, and and the one thing we I I've mentioned it I think we mentioned it offline a little bit a true mark of a team that's here to stay is a willingness of be, being able to keep the coach that's getting you to that point because you'll see a lot of teams have this off the wall season like wow where did they come from and then their coach has gone to greener pastures and you you see it all the time uh illinois is a great example of that early 2000s illinois was i mean they were perennial you you know from frank williams to darren williams and those guys that they had they were every year top five team and then they let go of i believe it was bill self was it not bill self yeah bill self right yeah bill self and then uh yeah they let him go to, to Kansas. They didn't want to pay the money that it was going to take to keep him around. And you see what happens. And, you know, the famous story about Tom Butters keeping Coach K around and everything because of his bad seasons is a little bit of the opposite because he was having some bad years. But you see the willingness to stay with a guy because you believe in it. And and Whit Babcock believes in Bud Williams with Virginia Tech. And you see it. And he's willing to pay him. And he's willing to pay Justin Fuente, so you see it with the football team. There's continuity there. So I like seeing it. I like seeing where the Hokies are, the tenth right now. Florida State has been amazing, um, and they're they're doing that. They got they got the extra year for Phil Kofer. Um, if you remember him, I don't know how you can't because he's been around since Wojo was a point guard, sophomore point guard at Duke. Um, Phil Kofer got a fifth year <laughs> out of nowhere, but he's been out with a foot injury. But that's their leading scorer from the past two seasons. So. You bring Phil Kofer back into what FSU has been doing, and oh my God, like that team. Number one, I've never seen a team. Like Leonard Hamilton 
obviously he does this on purpose. I've never seen a team produce so many seven footers. It's stupid how many guys they have seven foot above on their roster. And, yeah, and they're, they're all good. Their, yeah, I don't know what they're <laughs> growing down there in Tallahassee, but I feel like he's every single year we go yeah. down there. Somehow we always play him on the road. We always mm-hmm. go down there, and they have one guy that is taller than the next. And I feel like, yeah. no, he's the tallest guy in ACC history, 7'7". Seven, seven. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, just their team is they're, they're just big and they're talented. They, they get after on defense. Terrence Mann is having an all-ACC type of year. And he just he just gets he gets after it in so many ways. He's one of those guys that you wish you had. Like I look around the ACC, and there's only one player in the ACC that I wish that this Duke team had, last year's Duke team had, the Duke team before that had, and that's Terrence Mann. Just what that kid does on the floor is just awesome. He's everywhere all at once. He's a one man zone because he can guard two guys by himself with the way he hedges on the ball, the way he gets steals off ball. His just hit his recovery on defense. It's just crazy. Like you can talk all day about that kid. FSU is great. Virginia. I haven't even mentioned Virginia. Like, and that should be the first team that I mentioned because right. I hate it. I don't want to mention Virginia. I don't like doing it. But, <laughs> but man, that team is just they they do everything. I, I still don't think that they're gonna win the tournament because they just have so many shortcomings on offense. But they are. They are just that team that matches up against some of these teams like Duke who don't shoot the ball well, and they're going to match up against other top-flight teams, and and especially when it comes to tournament time, and that's going to really hurt some hurt some teams if they can't shoot the ball against UVA because they, that defense is just phenomenal what Tony Bennett has done to it. And the fact that in the past five years or so, five, six years, no one has been able to come up with a way to beat that defense, it's it's incredible. Um yeah. Real, real quick, do you mm-hmm. believe that the matchup with Texas Tech that we played in the Garden can somewhat help us prepare and, and at least give us a reference point when going into that Virginia game? Because that's a game where we were struggling from the outside. They were packing it in. Uh, they're a very talented team. They're a more experienced team. They're athletic. They certainly weren't afraid. Uh, Virginia's going to be the same way. DeAndre Hunter... Uh, Jerome, Kyle, Guy, like those guys are men, and they they have something to prove. They're you know they're going to play great defense, but they're a very efficient offensive team as well. Could that Texas Tech game be uh, an experience builder for Duke when they play Virginia twice this year? Maybe, maybe more than more than the team itself, because Texas Tech does some things differently that UVA does do. Maybe the circumstance, maybe. What do you, what is what do you need to do to win the game when you can't hit a shot? What what do you have to do? And I I think that is what is going to be. I think that's going to be the test. I I don't think you build your non conference to get you ready for the conference season, but because who who in the rest of the country outside of scheduling every game, Kansas, Michigan, just go ahead and schedule the the presumed top ten for your out of conference schedule, your non conference schedule, and that'll get you ready for your conference slate because that's what you got to do for the ACC. So in, instead of doing that, you build your non-conference to get you ready for the tournament. So maybe Texas Tech, because of that turnaround and going from Cameron up to New York, maybe that gets you more ready for how do you deal with getting to a neutral site and learning how to shoot and play in a neutral site more so than it gets us ready for UVA. But what it did offer for the UVA game is when you can't score, what do you have to do to win the game? I think plain and simple, that's what it gives you. And, and Duke, 
Duke made some manly plays down the stretch to win that game. The problem is UVA is not going to turn the ball over as much as Texas Tech does. They, they're just too disciplined with the ball to turn it over. So now the next test becomes how do you win the game as Duke when you can't get 14 turnovers in a game? Because against UVA, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if we went over eight. I, I don't know if we could create eight turnovers in that game. So what, what do we do when we can't turn the ball over and get in transition? Because that's what their, their game plan is going to be. Don't turn it over, keep them out of transition, and, and continue to pack the lane, which is what we do. So we talked, uh, obviously, about Virginia there. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about Florida State. Talked mm-hmm. about ad nauseum Virginia Tech. <laughs> and um, we, we, we've talked about Carolina. We'll always talk about Carolina here. But, yeah, exactly. But let's talk real quick about NC State. Oh, my God, yeah. They're having they're, – they've been fantastic. They're, they're now in the top 20. Uh-huh. Talk a little bit about what NC State brings uh, as a matchup problem for Duke potentially and what kind of year you think they're going to have. State what state does really well they they drive and kick and the one Achilles heel this Duke team has is drive defense and the drive and kick especially we saw it with Army we saw it with Hartford early on we even saw it a little bit with Yale drive and kick is tough for this team in particular and you got a guy like Torn Dorn who can get into the lane at will and and pretty much do what he wants to do on a basketball court period and then just just for fun, you throw in Markel Johnson and C.J. Bryce. Like they're, they're that's a tough team that they hit shots. They're a good, a decent three point shooting team. I, I think when we when we get to that game, I, I think we win that game. But NC State is a tough team, and they've shown Kevin Keats has shown an ability with his team now in the past couple of years to just produce some produce some talent and 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 really direct his talent. So. I, I like NC State. I like what they've been doing with their squad and how they put it together. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make an Elite Eight run. What do you see, though, in this jam-packed, talented uh, ACC? Who do you see coming out on top? Who is the team that could kind of sneak up on uh, on everybody that you wouldn't currently expect? And mm-hmm. where does Duke finish? So I think... Uh, Far, far be it for me to say, I think that UVA is going to win the league because I think they're going to be 13-3, and three and I think Duke is going to be 12-4. and four. We'll get to that in our predictions in a minute. But I think UVA is going to be a game ahead of Duke in the ACC strictly because they don't have to travel against some of the top teams as much as Duke does. They they Their schedule is made up a little better this year to be able to to run things a little bit more. And the teams, in, frankly, the teams in the ACC – don't do things well that it takes to beat UVA. They don't defend. Some of the teams in AC don't defend as well. Some of them don't have the hustle players that it requires to to come in off ball and counteract ACC or UVA's hustle hustle guys on rebounds, especially. It's just the things that UVA does are just totally different from just about anything else you'll see in the in the ACC. And you have to have a specific team to match up against that that does certain things and has a certain resolve. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody does offer that in the ACC this year. So I think UVA runs away with the, not runs away with it, but I think they win, win the league this year, unfortunately. Uh, player of the year, I think is going to go to Zion. Just his, his efficiency, his, his stat production, and just what he's done in terms of media for the, for the ACC is just off the charts. And 
I, I think you're going to see him win the player of the year this year, even though I think RJ is very much deserving. Uh, defensive player of the year, I think Trey's going to get it. I think rookie of the year, you're going to see Zion get it. Uh, we talked about putting together our, our teams for the, for the ACC, I think. First first team ACC this year, you get Zion, RJ, Justin Robinson at Tech, Kai Bowman, and Tyus Battle. I think second team, you get Marquise Reed, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker from Tech, Marquise Reed from Clemson, Luke May, big Luke May. I could probably see him sneaking onto a first team possibly too. Uh, Torin Dorn for NC State and Cam Johnson for UNC, of course. I think you see him on a second team. I think you get Xavier Johnson at Pitt on a third team, Brandon Childress on a third team. I think Trey sneaks on a third team. I think John Mooney at Notre Dame, what he's been doing on the interior in terms of the rebounds and hustle rebounds he's been getting, uh, one of the leaders in the ACC in rebounding. And then Jordan Nuora from Louisville, that kid has been having a monster season this year. And that's leaving off DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kyle Guy, who, because of pace, their stats don't look as good. But you look at those guys, and they're every bit all ACC players. So I think any of those three could sneak up to any one of the first, second, or third teams. I just put them in my honorable mention right now, strictly because, you know, stat wise, they just don't show out as some of the other guys. But in UVA system, you're not going to have that. And those guys are really good. And then Jalen Horde has been having an amazing season for Wake as a freshman. Um, I think you could see him sneak onto a team as well, especially because he's one of the leaders in rebounding and then scoring, of course, in the ACC. The all-freshman team, I think it looks like RJ and Zion, of course. And then I think Xavier Johnson's been doing some nice things at Pitt. Have him on my uh, – I think I have him on my third team anyway. Put him on the freshman team. Uh, Winston Tabs at BC has been having a great year. He's been become their second scorer. Um, and then I think you have a triumvirate there of Kobe White, Jalen Horde, and Trey McGowan's at Pitt. Um, Horde, I think, is the one who deserves it. But I, I far be it for me to say that the ACC writers wouldn't put a UNC player on that freshman team. So maybe Kobe White gets the nod over top of him, especially if he continues his hot scoring streaks. But Jalen Horde has been having an amazing year, so I don't see why he couldn't be on that team. Yeah, I mean, I know that they're not going to nominate Nassim or Little, so... <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, I do think that uh, you know Virginia does have a few tough road games. They do play at Duke. They do play at North Carolina. They do play mm-hmm. at Virginia Tech. Um, so there's some some chances for them to to get hiccups. But on the other side of it, unlike Duke, you know we do have the home and aways with all the top dogs uh-huh. in the ACC. So that certainly is going to play a huge factor. And I, I know that they're experienced. I agree with you. I think uh, UVA is going to be uh, 13 and three, and I do think that Duke is going to be 12 and four. So from that standpoint, I agree. To save everybody the trouble here, um, I'm not going to give all my first and second and third teams. You know more about everybody that than I do, but I will say that for for the for the first team, I do see a difference. I do think that they'll put Cam Johnson on the first team. Uh, they, I do. Why? Because, because I put Luke May over him. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> they're going to put Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson's shooting about 50% from three. Uh, he's the only guy that can get buckets on the regular. Uh, and as much as it sickens me to say that, I think that UNC is going to have to have a, a guy on the team. Uh, I I uh. just I can't put Luke May on the first team. Uh. So, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that I think Cam Johnson will be on there. I also, surprisingly enough, I, I have uh, DeAndre Hunter on the team as well. Um. I got your boy Justin Robinson. Yeah, I got your boy Justin Robinson on there, and then I have RJ and Zion. Uh, I'm going to go outside of the box here. 
I completely agree with your reasoning for player of the year. I think it will be Zion Williamson. But ironically enough, I think RJ is going to get the rookie of the year. I know that is, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but the ACC uh, voters have never made sense. They've never made sense, yeah. so I can totally see. I, I get it. I totally I get it. I'm not, I, I mean, I just think that I can see that happening, and I completely agree at this point, especially with the fanfare that he's going to continue to get. I think it will be Trey Jones for Defensive Player of the Year. But let's shift gears. So what happens in 2019 for Duke? Give us your predictions. Give us your ACC record, which you already did with at 12 and 4. Yep. Give us uh, your final record of the year. And, you know, who makes the, do we have a couple guys on the first team All-American, potentially? Um, what are our biggest hurdles going into the ACC? And what do you see us doing, man? Just, just lay it all out there. I, uh, so I think we mentioned the 12 and 4 record. I think we end. I think we finished the season. I think we finished the season with six losses, and but one of those is not in the NCAA tournament. I think we're going to lose in the ACC tournament. Unfortunately, I'd love winning that tournament, but I just I, I think we're going to lose the UVA in the championship game in the ACC tournament. I think we're going to lose the UVA twice. Um, I think we're going to lose the Florida State, and I think we're going to lose at Virginia Tech. Those are. Those are the remaining losses I see. St. John's is coming up too, which is a sneakily tough game in the middle of the ACC slate. Luckily, it's at Duke, and I think we're going to pull that one out. I think we do lose in the ACC championship uh, tournament and the championship game there, and because I think you, I think UVA is going to make it to that title game. I just don't see another team in the ACC that's really going to do anything to dominate them in a tournament setting. Um, I think you see some lineup shakeups in 2019. And not just once. I think we're going to see a couple. I, I think we mentioned it before. My last hope for Cam is FSU. I, for whatever reason, because of just the way that matchup spaces out, I I just think that that game is going to be Cam's game. And I think that's going to hopefully push him forward and propel him into the future. If it does not, I think we see him coming off the bench. And I think per our argument earlier, I think we see Jack White move into that starting rotation. Um, I think we see a little bit out of Alex O'Connell and a little bit more. He's shown the past few games to be able to play a little bit of defense. Uh, he sat the bench the rest of that Texas Tech game after starting out pretty well early on, but I think that was less about him and more about Kay's rotation, and it's going to take a few more games for him to build that trust. But much like Andre Dawkins down the stretch, and you, you very adeptly – uh, compared to Alex O'Connell early on in our podcast, uh, Andre Dawkins, I think I think the Dawkins comparison is spot on, and I think Alex is going to have some nice games to finish out the season to help this team get to where they should be, which is the NCAA tournament and and the Final Four, because this team is this team should win the NCAA title. So that that's what I see for this team in 2018. I, I see an NCAA title. I see a nice finish to the season, second place finish in the ACC. And and a few light up shakeups that that we didn't expect. Yeah, no, I can I completely agree with you. Um, I think that we may have uh, screwed ourselves up uh, thinking of the, the the glory days of the ACC with 16 games, but I I, I do agree that in the last column we're going to have four in the ACC. It's actually 14 and four. Oh yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, 14. Yeah, 18 games. So now. it'll be yeah, 18 games. So um, I think we're going to go 14 and four uh, in the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron gave you the the accolades for the ACC. Um, again, you know, I think we'll be uh, seeing jobs. However, the difference that I think, and again, if you want to grab a, a trash 
uh, bad seat or something like that. I think our last loss is going to be on March 9th. Uh, it's going to be Blah. at North Carolina. Blah. I think that um, it's, it's going to be a big game. It's, it's potentially going to be for the ACC regular season. And it'll be the last time that you can say that the 2018-2019 Duke Blue Devil fall short and it's your arch rival. I think that we smoked them at home. Uh, so so don't don't be wary. But I do think we go 14-4 and four, uh, in conference. I think we run the table because I think we're going to be pissed. I think this team wants it badly. We didn't get it done in Maui. I think we're going to come out. I think we're going to win our, our, our ACC tournament, which is, is a tournament, like you said. To, you know, I don't care what anybody says. That's a tournament I want to win. I want to win that tournament every mm-hmm. single year. I was yeah. comfortable with one or two years ago uh, with that Tatum group. I thought it was going to propel us. Um, there were a lot of things that, that happened there and a lot of unlucky stuff there. But I do think that this team has the makings to to make the run and complete it. Mm-hmm. When I watched that game uh, against Texas Tech, I I haven't thought this way about a Duke team in forever. You know, the Jabari Parker year, I was never uh, confident that we would ever once get a native stock. I knew that we would get a basket. You mm-hmm. know, in that ACC championship against UVA, Jabari did everything he could to will that team to that victory. We almost pulled it off against, yep. a, uh, against a superior UVA team. However, like it was that entire year, we just couldn't get a stop. It's the reason we lost to Mercer. We just couldn't get a stop. Mm-hmm. I believe with this team, though, it's the complete opposite. You know, yes, we might have cold shooting stretches, but I know that we can get the stop. It starts right at the top of Trey Jones, and it, you get it from the back with, with Zion and Jack White and Bolden and Javin and even RJ and Cam. Every one of those guys buy in defensively to where I know if we need a stop, we're going to get it. And I think that that is going to allow us to go get over the hump in the ACC tournament. It's going to get us the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think we obviously roll in the first two rounds. I think we, we see one challenge in whether it's the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. And then we get to Minneapolis where you and I will be, uh, we will be there. <laughs> Yep, stay with Dookie uh, uh, J. Yep, and, and just make sure you bring that wine. But um, I see us being prepared through everything we've done this year to go in there and, and finish the job. And so I, I see that um, there's a lot of hurdles to, to be had here, but I see Duke crowning, um, crowning themselves. And I, I rarely will say that um, this openly. I just have this feeling about this team because they just play so hard and they want it so badly defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's going to allow them, they're going to, I mean, look, the one thing is about this team, you're not, you're not going to go three for 20 every game, but you also, they're going to have those games where you're the opposite. You go 11 for 20. Yep. And when that happens, it's, it's, it's lights out. Yep. So if, if, if this Duke team gets hot, it's over. And if we don't, we can still beat you. And that's mm-hmm. not a team that we've had in a really, really long time. I got Duke winning the national championship, and I got Duke winning the ACC tournament. I got Man, Duke I hope you're right. ACC, and I got uh, both Zion and RJ uh, for the first time since I want to say um, JJ and Sheldon being on the first team All-American team for Duke. Yeah, yeah. So, they have lofty, lofty expectations for this team, but I think they have the uh, 
the stones, pun intended. They've earned it. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that they do, and um, we'll see what happens, but I'm sticking to it. Yep, they've earned it. You're right. No, I I like I like your picks. I really hope you're right about that ACC championship. Um, I'd I'd love that. I love that tournament. I love to win it. I think a lot of people got a sour taste in their mouth about it when the round robin disappeared. But uh, screw that, man. This the the league is so big and it's so good. And to win that tournament is is super special. So I'm with you. I, I like it. I think we avenged that loss to North Carolina on March 9th in the ACC tournament. Blah. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly, I hate you exactly. say that. Yeah. And just, just, you know, how are you feeling right now? You're going to feel that much worse uh, on March 9th. Oh. And we're going, we're going to avenge that loss in the ACC tournament one week later, and it's going to propel us to the number one overall seed. All right, so there we have our Duke. 2019 predictions and uh, for the final pillar of the podcast this week i'm pumped i'm, I'm ready for for our first ACC oh, yeah. game which is saturday night 8 p.m against clemson i'm sure zion is pumped for that and then we have tuesday night against way of course i believe at seven o'clock so let's mm-hmm. go ahead and get right into our predictions for uh the clemson and weight games i'm gonna kick things off i have duke winning this game i do think they're going to start off uh, a little slow uh, after a long break like they had. But mm-hmm. give me give me Duke here, 91 to 74. 91 to 74. That's not bad. Uh, Clemson has a couple good scores. They got Marquise Reed. He's a he's a 20-point-a-game scorer, so it's going to be tough for them to, sh- to shut him down. Um, kind of like we saw with Jerry Culver at Texas Tech. They have Shelton Mitchell and Elijah Thomas, two dudes that Duke recruited um, to kind of be those four, four-year type players. Um, both guys have turned out very well. Um, really, they're bringing some nice things to Clemson, and Clemson's a team with an outside shot of getting into the tournament. But I'm kind of with you, man. I'm thinking a 20 point, 20 ish point victory here. Um, coming off that break, I don't think we see this team shoot as badly as they did against Texas Tech, especially with that two day turnaround. So I'm going Duke 94, Clemson 69. Oh, okay. Looks a little I think bit, it's, I think uh, it's a little bit a big one, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Wake Forest. What do you got in this one? Wake, I, I won't spend much time with them. Danny Manning, I don't know how much longer he has there, man. This They're just not bringing talent in there. And they they look bad. And I think Duke, I think this is Duke's one chance in the ACC schedule to hit the century mark, and I think they're going to do it. I'm going Duke 101. I'm going Wake Forest uh, 65. Wow, that's an absolute slaughter like the days of old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you. I, I, you know, thought that Danny Manning would really work out well at Wake, at Wake Forest. I thought he would recruit very well. He's had uh, some flashes, but overall, he he hasn't done what I thought he would. Maybe it's just a really tough place to to, to coach right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got Duke in this one. I'm gonna go just below. I'm gonna go 98 to uh, 98 to 61. So I do think it'll be a low scoring uh, performance for. For Wake, uh, I think our defense steps up, uh, and, and I think that Duke opens up the ACC with a couple really high, mm-hmm. high impact uh, outings, uh, and gets, gets himself to, to two and zero. And there we have it. So ACC kicks off for Duke Saturday night, 8 p.m. Let's get it done. Go Duke. Let's go, go Duke. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Five Point Play Podcast.